السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على شرف الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين وبعد My brothers and sisters, it is uh, the, the direction of this, uh, the title of this program uh, is living by the Sira today. Now, if you think about this and you say, well, you know, what is the meaning of living by the Sira today? Uh, this is from my fundamental belief as far as teaching of religion is concerned, which is that I believe that today the biggest problem is the inability to connect the dots. We collect dots, but we don't connect them. And I don't want to go into the reasons why we don't connect them, whatever, whatever be that. The fact is that no matter how many dots you collect, uh, until you connect dots, you cannot make meaning. There is no picture. A bunch of dots on a, on, on a page is just a bunch of dots. It's only when you connect the dots up that you get a picture. Now, in the context of Deen, of Islam, what we seem to do is again the same thing, which is we collect dots. So, we collect bits and pieces of information. Whether it is uh, translations of the Quran, whether it is a hadith, and so on and so forth. One of the most um, ironic exhibitions of this mindless collecting of dots is the daily hadith. Uh, or the daily ayats which many people send, uh, dozens of them. Uh, the first one which comes to my phone, I block it and delete it. Because, uh, as far as I am concerned, it's a, a disrespect to the Quran and the Sunnah. So anyway, there's no meaning. You just send it and that's it. You don't know why you have sent it. The other one who receives it does not know what he must do with it. The hadith is there, there is nothing wrong with the hadith, the hadith is correct, the ayat of the Quran is correct, but out of the blue one ayat of the Quran comes, now what am I supposed to do then? Out of the blue one hadith comes, what must I do with that? What ends up happening is because now you sent this hadith, people start reading meaning into that, people start making hukum out of that, people start extracting meaning from that without having the knowledge to extract meaning. So, you get a hadith and you, for example, there is a hadith narrated by Anas bin Malik who said that he saw Rasulullah mounted on his mount and he was riding in some direction and he prayed and he did not change the direction of the mount towards the direction of the Qibla, so he prayed. So, now you get this hadith, what must you do now? Pray anywhere you like. When the Qibla is not required, we can pray in any direction we like. Is this correct? But this is what people come out from that because they don't understand how they have not studied a hadith. They do not have the basic fundamentals of usul of hadith. They do not have the basic fundamentals of usul of fiqh. They do not understand how to extract rulings from the Quran and the Sunnah. This is not a, this is not fun and games. This is not something which anybody can do in a weekend class. I don't even, I don't even attempt to teach it because first of all, I'm, I'm the wrong person to teach it. And secondly, anyone who tries to teach this in a weekend class is, is fooling you because it is not, it, this is not something, this is like learning cardiac surgery in a weekend class. I mean, this is crazy, right? It's worse than that because at least there the patient will die here. You are, you're going to put somebody in the hellfire, uh, because of your, uh, you know, uh, ridiculous way of teaching something. So, 
random collection of information is what we think to be the teaching of Islam. My submission is this is not the teaching of Islam. Islam is supposed to make sense to us in our terms, in our time. And this is no big challenge. This is what Islam does, provided we approach Islam the way Islam is to be approached. Islam did not come for a specific time, for a specific place. Islam didn't come from, for Madina Munawwara in the 7th century. Islam did not come for Baghdad in the 12th century. Islam did not come for you and me in the 21st century. Islam will still be Islam. The, the usul of Islam will still be the usul of Islam. What is halal will still remain halal. What is haram will still remain haram. 20,000 centuries from here, going forward, if that is how long Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to keep this world uh, in its place, Islam will continue to be relevant. The challenge, the task of the people of the time, and today we are the people of this time, will be and is to relate that Islam to our time and space. Not by changing it, not by cutting it and trimming it, not by molding it and twisting it, but by helping people understand how Islam in its complete and pristine sense which came to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said Al-Yawma akmaltu lakum deenakum wa atmamtu alaykum ni'mati wa raditu lakum al-Islam adina the same Islam in that same condition applied in the 7th century applied in the 12th century applied in the 21st century will apply in the 50th century will apply in the 10,000th century as the case might be without any change this is something very important for us to understand Islam did not come for a particular time and place which means that Islam does not need to be changed to suit the times. This is very important for us to understand. This is the mistake which the Christians and the Jews made with their own religions. They said our religion came for a time and space, came for a time and people. Today, different time, different people, different space, different rules. Therefore, the religion needs to be changed. And they went ahead and they changed their religion. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, we have not done that. And this is not owing to people like me. It is owing to for our Salafus Salihin. It is owing to the Ulama Ul-Haq. It is owing to the Sahaba of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This integrity, preserving the integrity of the deen started with them and those who followed them bil ihsan and will continue insha'Allah al-musta'an ila yawmiddin. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us among those who will be counted amongst thus, among such people when the time for counting comes. So that is the reason why we have said here, living by the seerah today. The seerah is the biography of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa As far as we are concerned, it's not a story of an of a Arab leader of the time, no matter how great he might have been. As far as we are concerned, this is not a biography as in purely a uh, sense of, uh, you know, chronological sense that he was born on such and such a time or date and then this happened and this happened and this happened. It's not a string of uh, incidents uh, strung together, no matter how beautifully the, nar the narrative might be. This is the biography of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, which we are inshallah mustan looking at today like you would look at a map when you want to reach a particular destination. When you are looking at a map 
reading a map to to reach a particular destination you are not concerned about how that map has been beautifully decorated you are not concerned about how many colors are there in this map you are not concerned about the the cursive font with which the map is written you are concerned with only one thing which is where am i standing and how do i get to the place i need to get to and this is the map which will show me where i am standing and where do i need to get to this in one word is what is called perspective perspective is the ability to hold simultaneously two pictures in your mind where you are now and where you want to be holding these two simultaneously in your mind is the only way to get from where you are now to where you want to be to give you an illustration of this if somebody phones from to me and says i am standing in shamshabad airport i need to get to your class how do i get there we can give him directions because he knows where he is and we know where we are so we can say yes this is how you get here but if a person says i want to get to your class is a fantastic wonderful where are you is i don't know then we can't help you because you don't know where you are so how can i direct you the best i can say is get to such and such a point and from there i will give you the directions other than that there's no way of guiding him because he does not know where he is vice versa if the person says i want to go to such and such a class and people say where, where is this place i don't know where it is there is a class right now normally we would we would not make a statement like that because you will you know this by our own life we know that i must know where i am i must know where i am going then the direction is possible that is what is perspective to bring it to the sirah of the sallam what we need to do is to say where am i now in terms of not physical location obviously in terms of my spiritual location my mental location my location with respect to muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam himself my location which with respect to my own life where in my life am i at what stage of my life am i right what is the stage of my life is it at the end of it beginning of it and so on and so on we don't know end and beginning but we know where i am standing here where am i to be able to define that and then say where do i want to go and where i want to go is where the direction we get from the sira so we are looking at the sira here as if we will look at a map we will obviously look at various uh, incidents from the life of muhammad sallam that's what the sira is all about but every single incident inshallah this uh, course i have organized in a way where at the end of each Uh, of uh, the stages we will do a small exercise or rather i will ask you to do the exercise of placing yourself in context and saying now what changes do i need to bring about in my life my submission to you is that if that does not happen if this does not result in any change in your life then frankly it's a waste of time i mean you will get sawab inshallah for coming to the masjid you will get the sawab for the zikr of allah subhanahu wa taala but also remember that what you learn can either help you or it can become a witness against you on the day of judgment the one who will decide that is yourself not anybody else right you are the one who will decide whether what you learn becomes a witness for you or a witness against you on the day of judgment i remind myself and you this applies to all of us let us be focused on that and the way that are uh, that knowledge the way that information the way that what we learn becomes a witness for us is when we act on it and the way it becomes a witness against us and may allah forgive us for that and and save us from that is when we learn but we do not act on that 
right? So, please keep this in mind uh, as the tamheed of this course. This is how I want to begin. Now, uh, we'll do a short background comparison uh, to put everything in context between <coughs> Meccan society of, 17th, of, of the 7th century and uh, our society globally today uh, in the 21st century. I believe that the difference uh, is, en is only a matter of magnitude. It's only a matter of scale. Because if you look at what were the principal things that were happening in Makkan society, or to put it another way, if you look at what were the principles that were driving Makkan society, what were, what were the values uh, and uh, what were the, the operative principles of Makkan society, uh, between you and me, I don't think there was any difference between how that society was organized and how that society was run and how our global society today is run. There's zero difference. Absolutely. It's absolutely, it's a phenomenal coincidence. Wallah alam, but this is the actual reality of this. When I was studying the seerah and when I wrote my book, The Leadership Lessons from the Life of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, uh, this is something that struck me very, very strongly. Because here was Makkan society, uh, which was ruled by a bunch of businessmen. That as I am speaking, compare in your mind, current society. Makkan society, we didn't have a king. Makkan society did not have a tribal chieftain. Makkan society was not ruled by, within quotes, a pope, a religious head. Makkan society was ruled by a bunch of businessmen, a small group of very wealthy businessmen. Does that strike a parallel? That's exactly how our world today is ruled. Don't be fooled. The world today is not ruled by Donald Trump or uh, Narendra Modi or, uh, you know, whatever that may is. What is that? Theresa May. Huh? Uh, and so on and so on. These are pawns. These are all pawns in the game. The people running the game are somebody else. And who are those somebody else? They are that 1%. And Ajib. I think in some, one of my, I think last Juma lecture or something, or two years Juma, I mentioned this thing. World Bank figures, they said that, um, at one point in time, they said that 62 people in the world owned more global assets. They owned more, they had more money and, and more wealth and so on. They owned more global assets, 62 people. And I, I always, when I mentioned this number, I would say that a bus, a full-size bus is 65 people, which means there are three seats vacant. This year, as in 2017, end of 2017, that number has come to eight people. Eight people own more global assets than 50% of the world. One guy, Jeff Bezos, his net worth is more than the GDP of Hungary, of the country. Now, is this good news or bad news? This is what Makkan society was. This is exactly what Makkan society was. It was a society ruled by a bunch of businessmen. What did they, how did they operate? What did they think? They operated on only one principle and that principle was profit, period. The only important thing in life is profit, is to make money. How that money is made, through what means it is made, by what way is, is it made. While making that money, uh, do we hurt somebody, do we help somebody, all of this was secondary, tertiary, non-existent, 
didn't matter. The only thing which mattered was, do we make money or we don't make money? If we make money, whatever the means was absolutely fine. Can we trade in death? Yes, we can trade in death. Can we trade in addiction? Absolutely no problem. We can trade in addiction. Can we trade in whatever you name it? Yes, we can trade as long as it is making money. Come back to today's society. Alcohol is legal. Cigarettes are legal. Marijuana for recreational re reason is legal. Means I can, I can smoke, smoke a joint and get high and, and no problem. Prostitution is legal. Every conceivable evil in the name of entertainment is legal. Death is legal because weapons manufacture and sale is legal. But we want peace. How nice. How did people operate? Exactly the same way that people. I'm talking now about the, not, not the, the elite, the, the, the clique, the group. I'm talking about the general population. How did they operate? Just like the mindless morons that we have today, which is aspiring to be like them. That's it. Allah mentioned this in the Quran with, with respect to Karun. When they saw Karun, many people said, Oh, I wish Allah had given us like he gave him. That's exactly the situation of people today. Do When people look at those who are wealthy, who are flaunting their wealth, who are misusing their wealth, who are earning that wealth from haram sources and who are spending it in haram places. What is the general population? I'm not talking about you guys. I'm, I'm saying what is the general population? What is the aspiration? I wish I was like this. Yes or no? I wish I was like this. That is why Rasulullah said four people. There are four kinds of people. Two will go to Jannah. Two will go to Jahannam. He said one whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given wealth and power. And who uses it for the benefit of the people. He will go to Jannah. The second one who will go to Jannah is the one who was not given wealth and power. But sincerely he says and he feels that if I had it. I would have used it like this other one using it for the benefit of the people. This second person, even though he did not have wealth and power, he will still go to Jannah because this was what his niya was. And you can guess the other two. The second one is the one who Allah gave him wealth and power and he used it for in ways which were harmful. He earned it wrongly and he spent it wrongly. He will go to Jahannam. And the second one, and imagine the, look at the, the, the tragedy of that. Look at the futility of that. This fellow did not have wealth and power, but his aspiration was, oh, I wish I was like this. I wish I had wealth and power like the other man has. Then I also could have enjoyed life. That is why Rasulullah said, there will be people on the day of, of judgment who will see their children being thrown into the hellfire and they will know that they are the cause. Their children are going into the hellfire because of them. Because they did not guide their children. Because they did not teach their children who Allah is and who the Nabi is, who Islam is. They did not give their children ethics and values and morals. They were a bad example to the children because they did haram and the children learned haram from them. They are the parents who introduced children to haram. They are the parents who, who brought their children and gave them membership of this club and that club. Daru kete ko daru kata bolo na hai ro. 
وائی ڈو یو کال اٹ اے کلب جواری ہے تو جواری بولو رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم سیڈ اسن از سم تھنگ دیٹ میکس یو فیل اشیمڈ اینڈ وچ یو ڈونٹ وانٹ دا پبلک ٹو نو دس از حدیث ان مسلم سو آئی سیڈ دا پرابلم ود دس حدیث از دیٹ دس حدیث انفارچونیٹلی ریفرس ٹو پیپل ود غیرت پیپل ود غیرا پیپل ود شیم پیپل ود حیا چوروں کے اڈے میں چوری کر رہا تو کیا شرم کا ہی بات ہی If you are in the middle of a bunch of thieves, you are a thief, alhamdulillah. You will have honor if you are a great thief. How will you, how will you feel ashamed? Today we have destroyed our hearts. Our hearts are dead. Today there is no ghira, there is no haya, there is no sharam, there is nothing. Our hearts are dead. You can see somebody dead and at the same time you can go and commit haram. Without any problem. Imam al-Ghazai rahmatullah used to say, That when you are eating, when you are having a meal, you have invited people over for, for, for a meal, do not mention death. Right? Even as a nasiha, do not say Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said that we should, the most intelligent person is, is the one who remembers his death most often, the beautiful hadith. He said, don't mention it at the time when you have invited people for a meal or when you are eating. They said, why? It is a good hadith, alhamdulillah. He said, because if your heart is alive, you will stop eating. If your heart is alive, you cannot eat anymore. You invited people for a meal and you spoiled the meal. You, you, you talked about death and they will get up. They will say, we can't, we can't eat because we are not remembering death. And he said, if you continue to eat, it means your heart is dead. So why do you want to expose this shamelessness before people? That you are a person with a dead heart. This is what we have done to ourselves. We take pride in this. I am introducing myself to such, my, my son to such and such a club. Uh, I am his sponsor, I am his proposer for his membership to this uh, particular club. What is a club? It is an association of people who join together, they are partners to do something. So you might have a polo club, so these are all people who have joined together in order to play polo. So they, they, now they have polo fields, they have a club building and so on and so forth. Alhamdulillah, tomorrow when the club is dissolved, when the polo fields are sold, all that land is sold for real estate, they, the proceeds, who do they go to? To the owners. Who are the owners? Those people who came together to form the club. Now you form this club for affiliative needs. Just because you give something a nice sounding name does not make it anything, anything better. And among the affiliative needs is what? The club has a bar. The club has a card room where you are playing, uh, playing cards uh, with money so you are gambling. The club will have a New Year's Eve dance. The club will have a Christmas dance. The club will have a dance for, for every reason. The club will have a dance because there is no reason. I mean, all kinds of, you know, activities which are pro prohibited in Islam will take place in this club. And who are you? You are a member of this club. What does it mean? It means you are a shareholder in whatever is happening in this club. So you cannot say that, you know, the liquor is not served in the dining room. It doesn't matter. You are a shareholder in that. Wherever liquor is being served, believe me, you are a share in that. You have a share in that. Doesn't matter if you are not drinking. You are facilitating somebody else to do that. And then what do you do when your son or your daughter comes of age? The rite of passage is not introducing them to the masjid. 
The right of passage is not that, that was, my son is now going to deliver the khutbah for Jum'ah, Alhamdulillah, I am sick. My, the right of passage is, my son is now a member with me in this Sharabi and Juwariyam ke adde mein. Mera beta bhi mere saath member hai. MashaAllah, very nice. At least call it the right name, then maybe some sharam will come. This is a picture of what Makkah was at the time of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. There were clubs. They were today what you would call pubs. They were today what you would call clubs. Sayyidina Umar bin Khattab radiallahu famous story. Late one night he came out of his house, he wanted to have a drink. It was very late in the night, he went to all his regular joints, there was every, everything was shut down. And then he saw Rasulullah praying in front of the Kaaba. And I won't go into the whole detail, which surah and so on and so forth. But Sayyidina Amar said, I inserted myself under the kiswa, under the ghilaf, under the, 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 the cover of the Kaaba. And I stood in front of Rabbi Sallallahu when he was praying and my, my thought was to frighten him. Give him a scare. But then, Bismillah ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi to recite a surah. Every time Sayyidina Umar thought of something, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi recited that ayah. Sayyidina Umar said, that is when Islam entered my heart. He became Muslim later, but he said, this is when Islam entered, entered my heart. I said, this is something which is different. What was Makkan society? Makkan society was what today we call branding. You know what branding, original meaning of branding was? I used to read a lot of, uh, even today I love reading uh, Louis Lamour uh, Western, uh, you know, stories. Fabulous writer, absolutely wonderful, Louis Lamour. You know what branding is? Branding is what you do to two things. You do to cattle and you do to slaves. That's called branding. Right? So you heat uh, iron and you throw the cow down and then you, that hot, red hot iron, you put on the skin, it burns off, it burns it into the skin. And they used to do that to slaves as well. That's what branding is. Puts its mark on you forever. This is what you want to do to yourself. People tell you, you are what you wear. Oh, our Urdu was the first time. A man is a pajama. He is saying, you are a man. You are a man, you are a pajama. You are what you wear. You are what you drive. Inna lillahi wa inna lillahi raja. Your prestige is a piece of metal. A car gives you prestige. I mean, imagine, effectively, what are they telling you? They are telling you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Jalla Jalaluhu, made you the best of creation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalaluhu made you, gave you iman, gave you, gave you izza, gave you a position. They want you to reduce that and say, and they are saying, no, no, you get izzat from the car, car you drive. You get izzat from the, the trouser you wear. You get izzat from the pen you wear. Some people wear a watch to tell the time. Some people wear a, wear a watch to tell the world. Huh? This is izzat? Absolute garbage. That's why I tell people, go when you go to America, especially here, you don't find them. When you go to America, go and see a junkyard, a car junkyard. 
do this as a, as a, as a, as a tourism thing. Go and see a car junkyard, a motor car junkyard. Go stand there. And then tell yourself that every single car in this junkyard was somebody's dream. Every single car. Every single car. That thing in the junkyard which is now being dismembered and chopped up and used and so on and so forth and finally they stamp it and you know flatten it and, and goes into the uh, into the furnace to melt and become metal. Every single one of them was somebody's dream one day. This is the actual reality. Not what you see that shining in the, in the showroom. This is the reality. And you want to sell your soul for that. You want to buy that junk on an interest-based uh, loan program by the enmity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Jalla Jalalu, accept a declaration of war from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Muhammad Rasulullah to drive a piece of junk which is going to end up on a junkyard and you are going to end up in your own junkyard long before that. <coughs> this was Makkah society. No rules for the wealthy, no rules for the people with power. For the people with power, whatever I do is the law. For people who did not have power, you had all kinds of rules. To the poor, the weak were oppressed, the wealthy, no problem, you can do what you like. Sound familiar? One of the wealthy dies, it's a terrorist attack. One of the wealthy dies, Every single police force in the world will get after the one who killed that person and they will take him to within court justice. Absolutely no quarrel with that. Most welcome. Please do that. Must be done. But a hundred thousand of the poor die and we call it collateral damage. Why must they die? They have to die because I have to demonstrate my weapons. How can I demonstrate the firepower of my weapons without being able to destroy entire neighborhoods, without being able to destroy entire cities without accountability? I can't do that. If, if I do that, then I, I go hang, then I can't do that. So therefore, I must create a system which does not hold me responsible. Collateral damage. Sounds familiar, right? Religion. Means of manipulation. Use religion selectively. What is it that helps me? I take and pick and choose. What I like to use, I use. What I don't like to use, I junk. Completely manipulative. Get myself political authority and power. Purpose of religion is to help me to gain wealth and power in this dunya. The akhira. Find the sky. This was Makkan society. The reason I'm saying all of this is for a very simple reason. As I said, we are teaching Sira not to collect dots, but to connect dots. What is the connection of the dots? The connection of the dots is in this society, which was so similar to ours, we know historically that Muhammad wasallam came and he did something 
he came to a group of people, those who followed him, to begin with, in this society, were the weakest, they had no influence, they had no wealth. Generally speaking, there were some of them who had some money, but some wealth, but generally speaking, no influence, no wealth, uh, no political control. They were oppressed. They were murdered with impunity. They were tortured with impunity. Their wealth was confiscated with impunity. They were driven out of their homes with impunity. So this was their situation. But the same people, the, sa the very same people, in a period, in the same generation, in the same generation, the very same people who were the dregs of that society became the leaders of that society. They became the aspirational models for the society. They became the people who were the role models for the society. They became the people who, from being oppressed, they became the people who called the shots. They were the people who made the rules. So my, my contention is that here we had have a situation in Makkah, which is like a pilot project, to use our terminology. It's like a pilot project. It's a small-scale uh, experiment to test out a theory, test out a method to see if it works. And history shows us that it worked. It worked absolutely phenomenally. So now our task is, we take this pilot project and we apply it now globally because Makkan society today is global society. Makkan society of the 7th century is global society in the 21st century. This is how the whole world today is organized. On the same principles as Makkan society was organized. So I am saying we have a problem. We also have a solution. And that solution is to apply the way of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And if you can apply that way, inshallah al-Mustan, my belief is, this is logic, if something worked in one situation, the same thing will work in another situation when none of the other vari uh, the variables have changed. The variables are all the same. So the same thing obviously should work, inshallah it will work. That is the reason why we are studying Sira. Now, So therefore, what are the lessons from the seerah that we are going to look at in this series of uh, sessions, however many it takes, inshallah. Won't be too long, but inshallah we'll try to uh, do that uh, as briefly as possible. As I told you, each one of these, we are going to address it and we are going to then apply it to ourselves and say, how does this apply to me? What changes do I need to bring about in my life to become like Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So quickly to go through that. One is differentiating. Number two is preparing yourself and your environment. Number three is making a significant investment. Not tokenism. Significant investment. By investment it can be, it can be uh, resources, money, wealth. But more importantly and first and before that is the investment of yourself. If your own time of changing your own ways and of investing our own uh, spiritual and mental and emotional 
selves into the change. Number four is to create a system, to build a system. Number five is strategic thinking. Number four and number six is magnanimity and forgiveness. And number seven is taking this forward, inshallah, which is succession planning. This is what we will, uh, inshallah, Mustan, look at in the course of uh, these sessions. So now, the first and foremost of this was, uh, is the issue of differentiating. And I'm saying by living the message because this is the uh, cardinal quality of the da'wah of Rasulullah which was by personal practice, which was by personal example, uh, which was not by talking about something, but by demonstrating it. Rasulullah did not just tell people to be truthful. He was truthful himself. He didn't, he didn't just tell people to be pious. He didn't just tell people to, to uh, not to commit shirk. He did not just tell people to give the rights of others to them. He did not just tell people to be compassionate and to be kind and to have integrity. He was all these things himself. He demonstrated that. If somebody wanted to say, what is the meaning of being truthful? You can say, go look at the life of Muhammad Wasallam, and you can apply this across the board to all of these and more of the ethics and values that I have talked about. Now, why brand and why differentiate? Differentiate because differentiating creates brand. Brand inspires loyalty and loyalty enables influence. Usually one of the things we teach uh, is what we call the elevator speech. So if you're meeting a stranger, how do you introduce yourself? Now this is one of the things that we do very badly. Unless you have learned how to do it, almost the default is that people do this extremely badly. So here you have uh, a person who potentially has the ability to make a huge impact in your life, right? I teach this course uh, in GE and uh, one of the things we used to, uh, examples we used to take when Jack Welch was the chairman, uh, we would say that you just got into the elevator on the 20th floor of uh, GE's office and uh, as the doors are closing, uh, you hear a, a voice which says, uh, hold the doors and you hold the doors and Mr. Welch walks in and the doors close. Right. So now you have the chairman to yourself for all of 15 seconds because this is a lift in New York. It doesn't take long to come down. So now in this 15 seconds, what is it that you can say to him which has the potential to make a impact on your career in GE? Right. So I usually give this question to people in the class and we say, what will you say? invariably. They will say, Sir, my name is Venkatachalam Tiruvengadam and I am from Tutukoli in Tamil Nadu, Sir. 15 seconds over. There is not a hope in hell of, uh, you know, of Jack Welch ever remembering that. And if you say, well, I, you know, I, I won't say that. I will say, my name is Mirza Yavarbeg and I am from Hydro, Hyderabad. Still makes no sense. Why should I care? Who the hell cares who the hell you are? Differentiation. You ask a lot, a lot of my IT guys here. You, know, you ask him, what do you do? I am an IT professional. 
what ever the hell that means you're an it professional who is she right now see, this is this is the problem of differentiation i am a, i am a doctor oh very nice that means you are like 300000 other highly educated unemployed unemployables which are produced in this country i am an engineer that's even worse what does it mean means nothing it's easier to say i'm a sheep than somebody <laughs> and somebody gets away you don't look like a sheep so at least there's some conversation right so example i usually give is you go and sit in a train like say you are commuting you are going to new york uh, you are maybe you live in white plains or something and you are going to manhattan uh, for your uh, job so you get onto the train and as you sit there uh, here is this uh, other guy who comes and sit, sits next to you now you don't know what he is the ceo of sun microsystems or something whatever he is sitting next right so you decide you want to start up this conversation so you say hello he says hello so you say i am uh, mohammad asuddin uh, or like his uh, old recorded thing used to say mohammad asuddin so he said yeah i am not so then you say so he, his interest in, in you is like his interest in a dead duck or something i mean you know then you decide you look at him you feel look like this fellow just his mother died or something you say look why are you looking so sad he said he said you know today i had this vision and that vision was my computer gave me the blue screen the blue screen is the this is the signal of death when it's about to die you get a blue screen and he says the tragedy is that i did not back up any of my data so i am a dead man you want to know why why i'm sad this is why i'm sad so now this dead duck who he was had no interest in he says you know what i have a system which can retrieve all your data now what happened to you what changed nothing changed you are still the same dead duck but suddenly now this guy realizes why he needs this dead duck like he needs a breath of air right this is a man who can save my life Now he doesn't care what you are called he still doesn't care what your religion is he doesn't still doesn't care you know whether you look like a something the dog brought in but as far as he is concerned you have what makes sense to him what he needs so what what did do just now w i i f m what's in it for me you taught him this fm channel which, which the whole world listens why w i i f m what kind of fm w i i f m what's in it for me that is what you open for him now he knows why he needs you you probably just landed yourself also a fantastic job in sun microsystems because the guy is the ceo of the place you did not know that you don't have to know that he knows it but you saved his life you saved his data home and dry as far as you are concerned you still the same old dead duck but that doesn't matter because now you are a very valuable dead duck that is the meaning of brand that is the meaning of differentiation when you go to buy toothpaste what do you ask for miswak he asked for miswak 
ब्रांड है मालूम सत्य सेम थिंग अप्लाइज टू एवरी थिंग वेन यू गो टू बाई समथिंग यू आर आस्किंग फॉर ब्रांड्स यू नॉट गोइंग टू बाई अर शर्ट यू नॉट गोइंग टू बाई ए टूथपेस्ट यू नॉट गोइंग बाई समथिंग राइट यू आर लुकिंग फॉर ब्रांड्स unless like unless you are like me where i make my own brands i don't i don't buy shirts so i don't have to go and ask for a brand but my point is that you buy why because brand creates loyalty and it's so you know it's so um, i don't know what to call it but when my wife was not here uh, i i usually use close up toothpaste so i ran out of toothpaste i mean there was plenty of toothpaste in the house but i couldn't find it so anyway um i asked muzaffar my driver to go and get me toothpaste so i told him close up right he didn't remember that so i told him the the, the tube is red so i said lal rata the tube is red so he went and brought bought me colgate which is also red believe me it took me mental gymnastics it took me a conscious decision to say i am not going to be such a dumb cluck as to return this thing i am going to use this and i am going to try it out i had to actually convince myself that i must use this thing because already it has come can you believe i mean i am either i am totally stupid or this is the power of brand and there's no difference i mean this toothpaste is a toothpaste is a toothpaste huh that is the power of differentiation only if you differentiate you stand out otherwise you are like cattle one more cow one more sheep who cares differentiation is what creates influence this is what muhammad or rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam did at a level of excellence <coughs> this is what his sahaba did at a level of excellence they stood out you stand out by standing on your principles you don't stand out by blending in sheep blend in leaders stand out if you blend in you are one more sheep only if you stand out you are a leader you can only follow a flag that is flying clearly visible up in the air same flag is taken off the post laundered put on a clothes line to dry it is hanging out with other pieces of laundry nobody salutes it nobody follows it same piece of laundry called flag is on a pole it is a symbol of a nation it's a symbol of something that is the power of differentiation This is what Islam did to the people who followed Islam. This is what Islam can do today and will be able to do till the day of judgment to the people who follow Islam. So what is this brand? Now, as I said Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam did not do branding by talking about it. He did branding by living it. Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam the most important thing about him alayhi salam is his truthfulness believability what is the believability of somebody why would you believe someone as i have been saying coincidentally in a couple of khutbas as well and 
the previous class. People first believed Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam before believing in Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. I gave the example last uh, class, and that's a beautiful example. Therefore, I repeat it of the statement of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radhiyallahu when he was informed that Rasulullah had been on Islam al-Miraj. So they came to, to Abu Bakr Siddiq and they said, you know what your friend is saying? He said, what is he saying? He said, they are, he is saying that he went from Makkah to Jerusalem and from Jerusalem he went to the seven heavens and then he came back and all of this happened in the space of one night. What do you say? Abu Bakr Siddiq answer is absolutely classic and it is a fundamental principle in the authentication of hadith. He said, if he said it, it is the truth. So he's saying two things. He's saying, if he said it, meaning I don't necessarily believe you, I will have to verify whether what you are saying is truthful or not. So you are the one that needs to be investigated about whether you are speaking the truth or not. But if you are speaking the truth and if he indeed said this, then it is true. I bear witness that it is true whether I understand how it happened or not, whether it appears logical to me or not, whether it appears possible or impossible to me. None of that matters. If he, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, said something, as long as I verify that and I am sure that he said it, then I believe it without question. Why do I believe it without question? Is that blind belief? It is not blind belief. It is belief based, eyes wide open on fact. And the fact is that Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, does not lie. That is the reality. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam does not lie. Abdullah bin Salam radiallahu Before he became Muslim, he was one of the, uh, he was the head of the rabbis of the Banu Nadir in Medina. The Banu Nadir were considered to be, they were also, they were also big business people. So they had a market of their own and they were also considered to be the scholars of the Jews. Among the three tribes that lived in Madinah, Banu Nadir were considered to be the scholars of Jews to the extent that it became the practice of, a people, of the people of Madinah. Uh, they used to send their children to live with the Banu Nadir and to learn from them manners and akhlaq and so on and so forth. Even though these people at that time pre-Islam, they were not Jews. And after Islam, even though they had accepted Islam, they still sent their children to stay with the Banu Nadir because this was considered to be a very good influence on, on, on people. Right? Head of their uh, rabbis was Abdullah bin Salam. So Abdullah bin Salam uh, came to Nabi Sallam and he uh, accepted Islam at the hands of Nabi Sallam. And then he said to him, Call the rabbis, call the leaders, not just the rabbis, they call the leaders of the Banu Nadir. And ask them about me. He said, I will conceal myself behind you, behind a curtain, ask them about me. 
So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa called them, they all came. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said, uh, do you know Abdullah bin Salam? What is your opinion about Abdullah bin Salam? They said, Abdullah ibn Salam is our chief rabbi. He is our greatest scholar. We believe him. We uh, honor him. We revere him. His father was a great scholar before him, was also our leader and so on and so on. They had a lot of good things to say about Abdullah bin Salam. When they finished saying all this, Abdullah bin Salam came out from, from behind the curtain and he said, I have accepted Islam. They said, you are the worst of us. You are, your father was the worst of us. And we have no, uh, you know, we don't believe you. We are this and this and this. They asked Abdullah bin Salam, why did you accept, how did you accept Islam? He said, when I looked at the face of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, I knew that this is not the face of a liar. To the extent that many of the Bufasir and so on, they have said that face reading uh, is, even today it's practiced, I don't know how authentic it is, but in the time of Nabi Sallallahu this was an art which was actually learnt and practiced. And Omar al Khattar was one of them who was an expert at this and there were other people. So they say that maybe Abdullah bin Salam meant it from that sense as well. Wallahala. So Rasulullah's truthfulness and therefore he got this title of As-Sadiqul Amin in Makkah itself, long before he announced Islam. The reason I mentioned the story of Abdullah bin Salam is because this is very similar to the story of Rasulullah himself. Because here was a man who was known as As-Sadiqul Amin. He was a man who was known as being the most truthful and the most trustworthy of the people. Given to him by, it is not a title that he made for himself this title that people gave him because of his truthfulness which they witnessed. He was born among them. He grew up among them. Only at the age of 40 he claimed, his, he, he proclaimed Islam. So for 40 years they watched him. It's not a, not something a flash in the pan, not something which happened in a week. For 40 years they watched him and they said, here is a man who is As-Sadiq wal-Ameen. He is the most truthful and the most trustworthy. But the minute he said, Qulu la ilaha illallah tuflihu, the moment he, he stood there and said, believe in one Allah, do not join partners with him, say la ilaha illallah, say there is no one worthy of worship except Allah. And I am his messenger. The moment the same person who said this, who was the most beloved to them, who was considered to be the most truthful to them, when he said this, they denied him. They rejected him. Just like it happened with the case of Abdullah bin Salam. He was the best of people. The moment he said, La ilaha illallah, he became the worst of people. And that's why I mentioned this story of Abdullah bin Salam as well. Now the lesson we learn from this is that Islam is wealth. Islam is real wealth. Wealth which will go with us in the Akhirah after we, take, after we go from here. The principle of wealth is that you have to work for it. Wealth is that which has value and that which has value does not come for free. You have to work for it. Even if you inherit it, if you do not work to preserve it, it will go away. I don't think for people of Hyderabad, I have to give examples of this. There are enough and more examples of people who inherited unbelievable wealth. They did nothing. They just happened to be born in that house. So they inherited that wealth. 
Today, they have nothing of that left because they didn't know what to do with it. They did not know how to deal with that wealth. Same thing with Islam. Just because we inherited it, please don't believe that this is going to be with us forever and ever. It will not. It will disappear. It will go away just like money, faster than money. We have to work for it. The example of Nabi Sallallahu when you talk about Islam, when you preach Islam, when you practice Islam, be prepared for difficulties. May Allah save us all from difficulties. We don't ask for them. But the tradition, the rule of thumb is that difficulties will happen. If they don't happen for you or me, Alhamdulillah. But if they happen, it is not something to feel discouraged and depressed and, you know, no, no. This is supposed to happen. You say, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. We do what the Prophet ﷺ did, which is, Ruju ilallah. Make God Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The one to remove the difficulties, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altahu sahla. Wala, there is no ease except the ease that you give. So make that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Nabi sallallahu differentiation, many, many things, but I, for the sake of the class and we don't want to uh, load too much stuff, to make it easy, first differentiator, most important, most critical differentiator was his truthfulness combined with that trustworthiness, which is a factor of reliability. It is not enough to speak the truth once when the pyramids were being built. You have to speak the truth every single time. It's not enough to just stand up for thak one time, but every single time. It is not enough to speak the haq when your personal welfare is not connected with it. Rasulullah said, a, bra- a Muslim is a brother to another Muslim. And he said, he said a Muslim is a mirror to another Muslim. What is a mirror? Which reflects how? It reflects you like you are. Doesn't change the reflection. It reflects you like you are. Is that easy? Usually easy with strangers because, you know, it's okay. I can tell you what I want. I don't, I don't know you. I don't care. What about friends? What about people who you love? What about people who you want to love you? But the same person, you see they are doing something wrong. The same person, you see that they are engaged in something which is going to be harmful for them. What must you do? Keep quiet. Don't say anything. Because he's my friend. If I tell him, he might get offended. Rasulullah said, the decline of Bani Israel started. When some of them started disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At that time, the leaders among them, the knowledgeable people, not the leaders, the knowledgeable people among them, the scholars among them, told those people that what you are doing is wrong, do not do this. But those people did not stop doing those wrong things. 
the ones who told them what is wrong, even when they continue to do wrong, these people did not sever ties with them. These people continued to relate with them. These people continued their relationship with them because they said, after all, they are our relatives. After all, they are our friends. Rasulullah said, this is when the decline of Bani Israel started with ended up with the azab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on them. Not only the people doing, doing something wrong, the people who knew better. They told them once, then they lifted their hands. And they did not stop associating with them. As I was saying in the Fajr reminder today, if you ask any educated, sensible, logical Hyderabadi, what his or her opinion is about our ostentatious weddings, I can say without a doubt, every single one of them will say, this is wrong, this should not be done, dowry should not be taken, all this ostentation and show, we should not do it, this is haram, this is makro, this is this, this is bad and so on. I am sure every single person will say that. Test it out. My question is then, why do you go there? How do I find you there? How is it that you are there in those page, page 3 photographs? How is it that you are there in those weddings? When you stood here and you said that this wedding, this way is bad and so on and so on and so on. If this is not nifaq, then what is nifaq? If, you, if this does not make you a hypocrite, what makes you a hypocrite? This is the problem with not being truthful to yourself. If you think something is bad, how is it that you associate with that same bad thing when you think it is bad, when you say it is bad? You are doing what the Bani Israel did. Because he That's what the Bani Israel did. This is exactly what they did. No, how can I offend them? They are part of my family. As I said, the principle is the same. Fire burns, burns everybody. If you say Bismillah and put your hand in the fire, it doesn't cool. It will still burn you. Truthfulness and trustworthiness will be a brand, will differentiate only if it is done every single time. Reliability. It's not doing something right once. It is to do the same right thing over and over and over and over and over until this becomes your brand. Right? Same thing works in careers. What takes a person up in careers? You get a brand. I give a job to so and so, I can forget about it. It is going to happen. And that's why the famous hadith, a man came to Nabi Sallallahu and he said, Ya Rasulullah, I do many wrong things. He said, I know they are wrong, but, you know, I mean, uh, I drink alcohol, I do this, I do this, I do this, uh, but I want to change myself. But if you give me this whole list of things to change, I don't think I can do it. So tell me out of all this, 
one thing which I need to change. That I will do. Only one. I can't give up everything else, only one. What did what did Asura tell them? He said, do not tell lies. Change only one thing. Never tell a lie. So the man thought this is easy. I mean, this is, you know, what's so difficult about that? And very nice. Navishasam did not tell me to change all my lifestyle, my all my social network can be as it is, you know, all my club memberships can be as it is. Huh? The day it stops being set from here, you will know I am dead. Anyway, so he said, don't lie. He went away. Then that evening, now he wants to go out to hang out with his pals in, his, in the pub. He thinks to himself, now tomorrow when I meet Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and he asked me, where were you last evening? What do I tell him? Obviously, I can't tell him I did this. I mean, it's shameful. I promised I will not lie. So he didn't go. And the same thing for every single thing that he used to do. The thought in his mind was, if Rasulullah sallallahu asked me, what will I tell? I promised I will not tell a lie. I can't tell him I did not do that or something. No, I have to tell the truth. If I am doing something haram, I can't go to the, to the Prophet Wasallam and say I did haram. I can't do this. His entire life changed because of that one thing, which is be truthful. Do not lie. Here we are talking about lying to the Prophet Wasallam. How about lying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? From whom nothing is hidden. Who is seeing me and watching me in real time. That's why they asked Hassan al-Basir, they said, how is it that you are so peaceful? How is it that you seem to have no worries in the world? What is this wazifa you read or what is it you do? How is that? So he said to them, he said, number one, I am not worried about my risk. Because I know that what Allah has written for me, nobody else can take. So I do whatever I need, need to do, but beyond that, I am not bothered with that. He said, number two, I engage myself in fulfilling the purpose for which Allah created me, which is His worship. This I do and I try to make sure that I do it to the best of my ability. I try to make my salah the best salah, my dhikr the best dhikr and so on. Number three, he said, I am ashamed to commit a sin because I know that Allah is watching. Just think about this. You know, I mean, these stories I've said, I've mentioned them many, many times. All of you have heard these stories and I will keep mentioning them because Alhamdulillah, there is khair in, in, remembering, in remembering good people and good things. Put yourself in that situation. Let me put myself in the situation. When I am doing ghibat, when I am telling some story to somebody about somebody else, when I'm slandering somebody, when I'm participating in a, in, a, in a meeting or I'm participating in a gathering where I know I should not be here, why am I here? Remember that Allah is watching. We have reached a point today where, you know, even to give the examples that I used to be given or at least my generation was given, those examples today have no meaning. Our time, we used to smoke a cigarette in front of us. 
आज बावे सिलगा के देते पीने पीने का गाय है नहीं थोड़ी तो भी शर्म हया थी अब वो भी गई विल यू डू विल यू विल यू डू समथिंग विच यू नो योर पेरेंट्स डिसअप्रूव ऑफ इन फ्रंट ऑफ देम आई आई एम नॉट सेंग डू इट बी एट दर बैक यू शुड नॉट डू इट एट ऑल बट आई एम सेंग एट लीस्ट इन फ्रंट ऑफ देम then how do you do something which you know allah does not like in front of allah subhanahu wa taala because there is no way of hiding from allah subhanahu wa taala so hasan basir rahmatullah said i am i am i am i do not commit sin or i avoid sin because i know allah is watching and the last thing he said is i know one day i will meet allah so therefore i prepare for it four things i am not worried about risk because i know what is written for me is written for me nobody can take it i fulfill or try to fulfill the purpose for which allah subhanahu wa taala created me by worshiping him number 3 is <clears throat> i do not commit sin because i know that allah is watching and number 4 is that i know one day i will die and i will have to face allah subhanahu wa taala so i prepare for that day this is the meaning of being truthful This is what is known as reliability, which is the essence of trust. You trust people who are reliable. You never, you cannot trust people who are unreliable. Yes, a person did something right once, but we, there is no saying that he will do it again. How can I trust that person? Somebody gives a word. I will do this by this time. Today, unfortunately, lying has become so common; it's not even funny. <coughs> so common and i'm not even talking about you know all the lies in the advertising and all of that i'm not talking about that is like now that like standard practice and that's why the level of trust has gone down do we believe anything we see why is this huge level okay, just think about this there is an enormous level of cynicism in society tremendous cynicism in, anywhere you go tremendous cynicism in society any time somebody even says something good people say ah yeah you know this is all rubbish are was achhi baat bol raha na aise bolte chora hai badmash jhoot bol raha are kai ko bolte how what is your proof to say unhe jhoot bola main pure jhoote hi rehte kisi wajah se past experience is so much that we apply it across the board which is really unjust if you ask me but that is what we have this lying has created a society where people do not believe one another huge level of cynicism and one of the the one of the most common examples very unfortunate when one of the most common examples is how we treat our own uh, you know appointments you tell somebody i will come at this time right you will not come you will not phone in advance to say this is what happened to me therefore i cannot nothing nothing you just vanish there is one incident in the sira where a man told nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam i will meet you at this point at this time rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam went there he waited for a long time the man did not come the next day nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam went again and waited the man did not come the third time nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam Uh, waited he came running he said ya rasulullah i completely forgot i am so sorry and so on and so forth right now tell me you all heard this story tell me how come this story is even mentioned why is it worthy of mention because it is one story it is worthy of mention because it is one story 
Do you think if everyone behaved like this, somebody would talk about this? No. Today, everybody behaves like this. Every, there's no value for your own word. And I'm, as far as I'm concerned, this is, you have no value for yourself. As simple as that. I will deliver this by this time. Won't happen. The one thing you can be sure of is if he tells you he will do it, he will not do it. That much is sure. Uh, Ajib. How shameful is that? And this is the problem. We have lost a sense of shame. We should be ashamed. We should tell ourselves, how can I behave? I gave my word. How can I behave differently from this? Being truthful is good for you. In this dunya, wal akhirah. Allah will test. Allah will test. You will get carrots dangling. Shaitan will bring things to you. May Allah not put you through that where people you respect will tell you to lie. Wallah haram. But if that happens, that happens. You still know you are right. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enable us to be on the right path and to keep us there. And uh, we'll take a break now. There is uh, tea and snacks. And after that, we'll pray Maghrib, inshallah. Then we come back here for the second session. Jazakumullah khair. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa